Hey, good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Thank you for being with us. Thank you for Gary. Thank you for the band to, to lead us in worship this morning. Um, it's my pleasure to be with you in this location. Usually I'm somewhere around this location with a guitar on. And um, you know what? That's a lot easier. <laughs> it's a lot easier. Um, we're going through a sermon series uh, on Psalms. And, you know, we've titled it Psalms, Words That Know Me, meaning as we, as we take a look at the various chapters in the book of Psalms, we, we're going through 11. We're going through 11 chapters. We're reminded that the book of Psalms is a book that expresses uh, words that sometimes we can't come up with on our own. You know, these are words uh, that were written a long time ago uh, by a number of different people, but they reflect every emotion, every struggle, every breakthrough, every, uh, every uh, victory that we have today, that we experience today. Let me ask you this morning, when was the last time you felt joy? You know, joy, joy. We, we go through our days and we don't even think about do I have the joy of the Lord today? Do I? Um, and now I'm not talking about happiness. I, you know, some of us know the, the distinction between joy and happiness. But if you don't, joy is inward and happiness is outward, right? Joy is an inner feeling. Happiness is an outward expression. And uh, actually, let me, just, let me just ask you, do you guys remember Chuck E. Cheese? You guys remember Chuck E. Cheese? Uh, a couple weeks ago, my parents and I, uh, we took my son Isaac, who's two and a half now, uh, to Chuck E. Cheese for the very first time. And they'll tell you, if you ask them, when I saw Chuck E. for the very first time when I was Isaac's age, when I was about two, two and a half, I went nuts. And not in the best way, <laughs> probably in the worst way. I feel like there's a picture somewhere there probably is a picture, um, but I mean, can you can you blame me, right? He's I, I mean, I'm scared today. We we took him there a couple weeks ago. We took Isaac there a couple weeks ago, and uh, all these emotions. I'm trying to th you know I'm trying to think. Well, I wonder how he's gonna respond to seeing Chucky for the first time. Is he gonna throw a tantrum? Is he gonna be scared? I have no idea. Um, but I actually, I think we have footage from that day. Darcy, do we have footage? Yeah, all right. This is Isaac. He's, in, he's the small one. Is that Chucky? Come on, Chucky. Trying to do a high five. Come on. Come on, Chucky. Oh. He goes right back. Let's go. Oh, Chucky. Oh. Now, before you get all mad at Chucky, you need to take my word for this. As soon as I stopped recording, he gave Isaac a high five. I was a split second too late. Yeah, that deserves a round of applause. Chucky, everybody, to Chucky. No, I, 
You're just going to have to take my word for it. He actually did. Um, I don't want people upset at Chucky calling the Worcester, Massachusetts, Chuck E. Cheese. By the way, their number is 508-754-5151. I tell you that to say this. In that moment, I experienced so much joy. True, overwhelming joy just watching him run around. One, happy that he wasn't throwing a tantrum or screaming. As a parent, we all can empathize with that. Um, but also just seeing the, the happiness on his face, actually seeing the joy that he felt. And in that moment, I actually understood that joy has to be contagious, right? Has to be contagious. His joy actually gave me joy. And every time I see that video, too, it gives me joy. Now, a lot of people in our world today, a lot of us, we equate joy with happiness, don't we? That joy and happiness are one and the same, Right? that you can't experience joyfulness without happiness. But we know, right? Don't we know what James tells us? Chapter 1, verse, right off the bat, James tells us, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. He says it right off the bat. We know how hard it can be to count it all joy. Maybe when, we, when our car breaks down, when we're going out to Camperia, two weeks ago <laughs> on 395. Um, we, we, we know how hard it is to count it all joy when maybe we lose our job and we don't know where our next paycheck is going to come from. We don't know where our next meal is going to come from, some of us, right? We know how hard it can be to count it all joy when we've just been diagnosed with cancer or when a family member goes home to be with the Lord, right? Count it all joy. Really? God, really? How, how do we find joy in that? Why am I spending so much time talking about happiness and joy, what it is, what it isn't? This morning, we're going to talk about Psalm 100. It's a psalm that tells us very clearly how we as believers, as Christ followers, are supposed to live our lives. This psalm can be the framework that we as Christians abide by as we try and figure out how to live joyful, God-honoring lives, how to go through our days with a posture of praise internally but also externally, and how that lifestyle can overflow into every aspect of our lives, right? Every aspect of our lives. We're going to go through Psalm 100, but first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, for the moments that we can spend together praising you, worshiping you, learning about you. Allow, this, allow us this morning, God, to, to hear from you clearly. Would you open up our eyes, our ears, so that we can see how this psalm can impact our marriages, or our singleness, our relationships, or our parenting, everything in between. Amen. So if you haven't already done so, let's open up our Bibles to chapter 100. While you're doing that, I'm going to tell you where exactly we're going to end up. So spoiler alert, this is where we're going to end up. We're going to end up understanding that the, the chapter, Psalm 100, actually tells us, not at first glance, 
but that our worship is rooted in our knowledge of who we know God to be and it's expressed through our actions. Again, that's our worship is rooted in our knowledge of who we know God to be deep down and it's expressed through our actions. As I read it too, see if you could pick up on some structure things, just how the psalmist structured things because it's important. Psalm 100, verse one. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We're his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Now we're gonna, we're gonna break this down in just a moment. But before we do, let's talk about this thing we call worship because we could probably spend hours just talking about what worship is and what it isn't, just different definitions. We could go through the entire room. We could have so many hundreds of different ideas of what worship is. But we're gonna look at some people that tell us what worship is in their own words. Oswald Chambers says, worship is giving God the best that he has given you. Or Max Lucado, he says it this way, worship is the act of magnifying God, enlarging our vision of him. How about Charles Spurgeon? Worship is the highest elevation of the spirit and yet the lowliest prostration of the soul. I love that. But notice something here. All of these definitions of worship, they have nothing to do with music. Nothing to do with music. And uh, I, I love how John MacArthur puts it. He says this, music is not worship. Music is a means to express worship, but it is not worship. Worship is the heart going up toward God in gratitude and thanksgiving for all that God has done that's worship. Worship is acknowledging God to be who he is revealed to be in Scripture. It's acknowledging what God has done, and in particular, that he has saved us, redeemed us, given us eternal life, and it's expressing gratitude to God. There are many ways to do that. Music is one of them. So as we, be, as we begin to unpack Psalm 100, we're going to pull out three things about it to help us understand, maybe widen our perspective of what worship can be and how God calls us to live our lives according to his word, not Johnny's words. Number one, worship begins with truth. In order for us to, to, to worship God fully, to, to worship him truthfully, we need to know things about God and know God personally, Right? We need to, verse three says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And we need to know, it continues on in verse five, that the Lord is good. That his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. See, those that don't know the Lord can't possibly worship him. 
Let me say it a different way. It's impossible to appreciate something or someone you know nothing about, right? Spending time with the Lord has to be the biggest priority in our lives. And some of us this morning maybe have fallen away from the faith and have decided to do our own thing, or some of us simply haven't yet taken the next step to following Christ. That's okay. But some of us call ourselves Christians, Christ followers, and can't remember the last time we cracked open our Bibles. Honestly, it really, it's hard, right? It's hard to do that. The world throws at, uh, throws at us so many different distractions, so many things that can take the place of our time with the Lord. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about here. It's impossible for me to know, uh, to, to show my appreciation for my lovely wife for all the things that she does throughout the day if I don't know all the things that she does throughout the day, right? Taking care of the kids, cleaning this or that up, that throw up, that whatever, paying this bill, doing the grocery shopping. I mean, you name it. If I don't know she's doing those things, I can't possibly show her my appreciation. So there's communication, right? There's communication throughout the day. There's dialogue and connection. Now, she'll tell you, I'll tell you, she's better at connecting with me than I am with her. She's, I mean, she's, I'm, I'm not really, it doesn't come that natural to me, but I need to work at it, right? We need to work at our relationships, and that's no different than our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Well, Johnny, I know a lot about God. I know about what he says in the Bible. I, have, I actually have some scripture memorized. Listen, knowing about God is great. Memorizing scripture, it's awesome. However, merely knowing about God is not knowing God. Memorizing all these things, knowing about God, it's awesome. But knowing about God is not knowing God. Knowing God is about spending time with him each and every day. Let me go back to that example with my, with, uh, with my wife, the relationship that I have with my wife. It's not enough for me to just memorize the things that she's told me in the past. It's not enough for me to, to kind of just know different facts about her, like her favorite pizza topping or the fact that she wants me to do dishes more than I actually do dishes, right? It's about connecting with her. And it's about connecting with God, right? God wants us to be people after his own heart, like King David. With that, there's got to be communication, dialogue, connection. So our worship, our appreciation for the Lord is rooted in our knowledge of who he is and what he has done. So who do we know God to be? Who do you know God to be? We're going to try something a little different. It could be awesome. It could flop miserably. And honestly, I'm excited for either. I'm going to ask you this morning, congregation, GBC, who do you know God to be? In the chat, if you're online, who do you know God to be? Just shout it out wherever you are. Loving, faithful, what? Provider. Creator. What was that? Abba, Father. Good. Enough. Mm -hmm. Consistent. Love it. Healer. I can't catch everybody, and that's amazing, right? 
I love hearing you share how just immediately things come into your minds. This is who we know God to be, of course. And some of us love truth. Some of us love knowledge and getting there and doing the research, right? That's not me. Some of us love, uh, some of us have that same desire, but I'll tell you what, it's possible to know about God, but still not worship God. Possible to know the Bible really well. Some of us do, but not worship God. To take all that information, all of that knowledge and not do something with it, which actually brings us to our second point, that worship brings about affection. This is, all, this is for all the feelers in the room, like, like me. We shouldn't just know God, but we should enjoy God. And as we sing to him, as we sung to him this morning, as we praise his name, we're reminded that worship is a response of who we know God to be. And you know what's actually pretty incredible? That God designed us, God designed us to feel things. If you go back to the first time that mankind sinned, right? Book of Genesis. Adam and Eve, they ate the, of the forbidden fruit and they felt something, right? Do you remember what they felt? Shame, embarrassed. They felt embarrassed. So you have this knowledge of what we know God to be, who we know God to be, and this affection. And unfortunately, sometimes we, we come through the doors on a Sunday morning and we let the words on the screen during our time of worship and our music pass by. 15 minutes goes by, 20 minutes goes by. And we just think to ourselves afterwards, I didn't really feel God. I, I didn't really feel anything, right? I didn't, I don't know. I, just, I didn't really... I didn't really do anything with it. I think we've all been there, if I can be honest. I think we've all been there. But we have to remember what? That truth, the truth that we know about God precedes any action, any feeling we could have. The truth that we know about God allows for our feelings to actually take place. So let's look to Psalm 100 to help us with what we're supposed to feel while we worship. Verse one says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Joyful. Verse two, serve the Lord with gladness. That word gladness, it's defined by Webster as a, a feeling or state of well-being and contentment. To be glad is to be content. Psalm 118, 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us be full of joy and be content with it. How about verse 4? Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. These are feelings of joy. And then we get down to verse 5 where it says, for the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever. For the Lord is good. There's a really important word here. I don't know if you can catch it. It's a really short word. The word for, right? It's important because we know uh, that it's another word for because. 
It's a supporting statement for what we know about God. So what it's saying actually is because the Lord is good, so why should we feel joyfulness, the, this feeling of gladness? Because he's good, because his steadfast love endures forever, because his faithfulness continues throughout all generations, because of all these things, we're called to have thanksgiving in our hearts, to give him thanks, to make a joyful noise. So we know now that our worship, one, begins with truth, right? And, it, and, and number two, it brings about affection or feelings. So what now? Do we take all of this knowledge, all this truth, all the feelings that we have, and keep it to ourselves? Just, yeah, man. Keep it to yourself. Bottle it up. No. No. We worship by responding in action. And we're going to look at Psalm 100 and how it calls us to action. Make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord with gladness, with singing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. All these words are actions. The psalmist is actually commanding us to do these things. He's saying, you know that the Lord is good. You know it. Come on, you, you know it. Make a joyful noise. He's adopted you as one of his own. You are his. Make a joyful noise. Sing his praises. Let's talk about servanthood for a second because that's a major part in what the psalmist calls us to do when he says, serve the Lord with gladness. Matthew twenty two thirty seven 37 says, um, and Jesus is actually being asked by the Pharisees, what's the greatest commandment? What is the, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replies, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is actually like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when Jesus, when Jesus responds with love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. He's not just saying, be nice. Be nice to people. Specifically those that live next to you, right? I mean, how easy. That'd be so much easier in life. Just be nice, right? No, he's saying serve. Love the Lord your God. Serve. He's not just saying be nice. There's this whole idea of serving others that Jesus is telling us. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies, serve your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. Or in Mark chapter 10, 45, for even the Son of Man, even Jesus, didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is how we respond in action. We serve the Lord with gladness. That can, be a lot of, that can mean a lot of different things, can't it? Let's look at our worship services for a second. In any given worship services, uh, there's, there's plenty of ways in which we respond to God's goodness in our lives. How about singing? Verse 2, how it says, come in, into his presence with singing. I, I actually love that we worship a God by singing to him because he sings over us, right? We know that in Zephaniah chapter 3, 17. It says, The Lord your God is with you. 
the mighty warrior who saves. He'll take great delight in you, and his, and his love will no longer rebuke you, rebuke you, but will what? Rejoice. Rejoice over you with singing. He finds joy in singing over us. He expresses his own love toward, toward us with the act of singing. Other ways, other ways we respond to him with our actions can be lifting our hands. I heard a pastor say one time that lifting our hands to God with our, with our arms open wide, that that type of posture is similar to that of a son or daughter saying, Daddy, I, I need you. I need your help. I, I need you to pick me up. I, I can't do this on my own. I need you to protect me. Carry me. What else? What else? Clapping. We clap. We clap during the songs. We clap after songs. We don't clap for the bands. We clap for our God because he's good. No one else, not one, no one is good. Sometimes you see us bow in reverence to who he is. We bow in reverence to who he is. All these actions that we're talking about are ways of outwardly showing God the posture of our heart. Not showing others necessarily the posture of our heart, showing God the posture of our heart. As we live our lives, how can we be an example to those in our communities, those at the baseball fields or the soccer fields or at the PTO meeting? So those that are looking at us, those that are saying, that guy, Johnny, I, I know he says he's a Christian. I just don't see it though. I see how he overreacts how he's short with his wife or his kids. I, I see the kinds of things he puts up on social media. I want, I want you to meet my friend Jake. This is Jake, everybody. I grew up with Jake in my dad's church back in Massachusetts. He was a lot younger than I was. This is me in the middle, actually. Jake's the small one. Now, we'd, uh, we'd go on missions trips work camps. I was one of his youth leaders growing up, and I watched him grow into a young man who had so much passion for the Lord, um, so, much, so, so much passion for helping others. This was a kid that understood it, that got it. That picture actually is taking, uh, taken in the Dominican Republic right there. Um, Jake was a t the type of kid who you know, I, I remember this like it was yesterday where I'm singing the song, I'm leading worship on a Sunday morning and I'm singing, blessed be the name of the Lord and we get to the bridge. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. And I look out. And no one is into it at all. And we, the band, we, I remember, man, the band, we had this great time of worship and it was really meaningful. And we look out and no one was into it. But I'm looking around and I, I see one person with their hands up in the air. It was Jake. Now, being one of Jake's youth leaders, growing up with him, knowing his family, knowing what they had gone through, you know what? He had a lot of reasons to maybe justify not throwing up his hands in praise. 
maybe not having the joy of the Lord as as his strength. They'd been through a lot. Yet his joy was contagious, right? In September of 2011, Jake lost his life in a car accident. And I want you to... I want you to read what it says on the website, his website. It's becausejakelived.com. And I encourage you to go there later and learn more of how his life is still impacting people. It says this. It was hard to top Jake's passion for cars. But anyone that knew him would tell you that his faith trumped it all. It was evident in each and every aspect of his life. His faith was a part of who he was and could easily be seen as he encouraged, loved, helped, brought so much joy into the lives of all who knew him. Jake was a leader, a servant, worshiper, child of the king, and everyone knew it. I tell you about Jake's life because he would have wanted me to. He had a knowledge of how big his God was, a passion for worshiping, his God, and a willingness to go out and do something about it. And that's how he'll always be remembered, not just by me, not by his family, but the people he went to school with, people that he worked with. My prayer, church, is that like Jake, we would gain an understanding each and every day for how big our God is and how born out of that truth would be an incredible affection and passion and from that, the the desire to act on that. That's worship. Romans 12, one says this, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, uh, holy and pleasing to God. This, this is your true and proper worship. In July alone, we actually, we had an amazing group of volunteers. July, we had VBS happening, uh, numerous missions trips and work camps and construction jobs out at his mansion. Some people just got home like this week. But these people answered the call. You people answered the call. Showed, Showed people the love of Christ through your actions. That's worship. And our mission statement here, if you don't know it, is reflecting the Lord Jesus Christ to a needy world. How do we do that? How do we do that? It's, it's by worshiping. We worship. We serve. We love. And I, I love, I'm going to close with this. I love what John Piper says. Sorry. It sort of encapsulates everything that we've been talking about today. Piper says this. Truth yields affections, and affections yield actions. And no action gives glory to God that doesn't come from joy in God. God isn't shown to be great by our acts if our acts aren't flowing from the joy in the greatness of God. And no joy is authentic where it's not coming from true knowledge about God. Meaning nothing that we do gives glory to God that doesn't come from joy in God. If serving God, if bringing glory to his name is the ultimate purpose for our lives, 
and it is, <laughs> our joy needs to be found in him. No one, no thing besides him. Would you pray with me? God, we, um, we come before you just in thankfulness, in gratitude, in awe of who you are. We know you to be so many things, loving, caring, gracious, merciful, just. You're a God that sent your only son, Jesus, to bore and die on a cross that people like us deserved. You're a God that loves us way too much to let us stay the way that we are. So would you help us take what we know about you, allow it to transform the way that we live our lives because you're worthy and you're good. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.